In this episode, I share our evaluation of the Classic Fancy Imperative Rule Set. I look at introducing a certain magic tradition into your campaign and confess what I feel most about GMing Mithras. Welcome to the Mithras Matters Podcast, Season 1, Episode 55, Classic Magic, Including a Fear Spell. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to March. At the risk of appearing to be some sort of modern day soothsayer, the days are getting longer and nights shorter. I've noticed that there are even signs of spring here in the UK. I'm an autumn-winter sort of guy who prefers the dark, cold, wet days and nights, so we will soon be arriving at the part of the year that I dislike. Basically, from the time the clocks go forward in March until they go back again in October. I always wonder what it would be like to live in a country that has very few daylight hours, even during summer, or has lovely low temperatures consistently. I guess if I was to live my fancy dream life, I would be some sort of mage living by myself in a tall tower somewhere that has perpetual darkness and constant rainfall. I'm beginning to feel like I'm some sort of spellcasting vampire. Before you all grab your steaks and garlic, let's get on. Later on, what I fear the most when I'm GMing Mithras and how to introduce a certain magic tradition into your campaign. But first, let's talk classic fantasy. When I was moving away from my brief encounter of playing D&D 5th edition, have to say that I used to love Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition, but the 5th Edition just didn't do it for me. Anyway, as I moved away, I purchased Classic Fantasy along with Mithras. I never really played Classic Fantasy, but when the Imperative rule set came out for free, we had to dip our dice into the rules and see how they worked. So here is a quick review of what we thought. First up, and perhaps the most important, the players loved it. We only used the character classes in the imperative rules, so fighter, rogue, magic user and cleric. We wanted to try all aspects of the game, so the players shared them out between them. We found the character generation was easy to complete and yet provided plenty of opportunities for the players to make their class unique. 
One thing that we used was that we didn't use the recommended class allocation for skills. We were very used to the system, so just allocated the points, just like in Mithras. One thing I dislike about class-based systems is that sometimes it becomes obvious what each of the characters are by what they can do. So I was pleased when the characters came out as non-typical or non-stereotypical forms of their class. I even had to go and made up a magic user called Rough and Stoat and enjoyed firing crossbow bolts from a distance rather than casting spells. I've never been a fan of demi-humans in campaigns, but found that the races in classic fantasy didn't really impact on the adventure at all. Elves not having dark vision I really liked. They should never be able to see in the dark unless they were drow. They live in a forest, for crying out loud. And although I suffered dark vision with the gnome and the dwarves and half-orcs, I didn't feel they benefit, it benefited the characters that much. The combat ran very smoothly. Like M-Space, everything had two action points, so keeping track on these were relatively easy. I do wonder how things progress when the characters get more action points according to their level, but dealing with Mithras combat would have probably prepared me for this. The players enjoyed a range of combat specials and their skills allowed some interesting interactions. And talking about skills, I made a huge error in the campaign creation. Thinking the rules were more like Dungeons & Dragons, I created a very linear combat encountered adventure. This meant that there was a lot of combat, which I didn't really need to do. I'm not sure why I did this, since all the other campaigns I run are less focused on battling with swords. This was my error as a GM, so I think when we return to classic fantasy, I would want to run a more role-playing adventure. Possibly even a module, since that makes preparation a lot easier. I'm a great lover of city adventures, so we might do one of those. We didn't have the opportunity to delve into class abilities, although our rogue character Belle, played by Mr Pickles, did pick up some of them when they gained some experience roles. I really like these additional levels to the class and look forward to having these in the campaign. Players' choices can add to their character and make them unique both in the party and in the class. But I've saved my favourite feature to last. The spells. Oh, how many fond memories did these bring back. The spell lists are fantastic. I really do love them. I've always been a spell user and not one that relied on divine beings. So to see many of my favourite spells was excellent. Magic Missile, Shield, Mage Armor, which is a definite one for us magic users, and even Sleep. All fun spells. Luckily, everyone started at first level, so there was no fireballs, but I can see them coming one day. 
Having the spells powered by magic points changes the dynamic of spell users and magic users so much. When I was a first level mage in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition, I would have one spell and then hopelessly chuck darts the rest of the time. But in Classic Fantasy, I could fire as many magic missiles as I wanted to, as long as I had available magic points. This change, this change and the familiarity of spells made me very happy. Although I did have to keep referring to the rules when spells were cast, since I always seemed to go back to the original rules of AD&D for the spell descriptions. No idea why my brain has kept that information all this time. Although I felt that the characters were slightly more powerful than their equivalent in Mithras, we did thoroughly enjoy the system and it is now part of our campaign rotation. If anyone can recommend any modules or town adventures, that would be great, especially if they are available on Roll20. And that's a big hint to all you module and adventure creators out there. More virtual tabletop modules, please. I'm looking forward to playing the campaign again, especially to interact with the characters. Although there might be some changes as we start to move to the full rule set. If you haven't dabbled in Classic Fantasy yet, I would strongly recommend downloading the free rule set and having a go with it. And if you have played it before, then why not make some time to revisit it again? I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Thanks to Rodney and his fantastic team for bringing the free imperative rule set out. So we all got to try the system. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not just drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews or chats with people. So if you are interested, then email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the forums or on the Discord. And I'm really looking to get a round table full of GMs that we can discuss topics. So if you are a GM and would be fine coming on the podcast or would like to come on the podcast, then do get in touch with me. I'll be setting up those round tables for discussion in the near future. Also, recently I moved all the podcast episodes over to my YouTube channel. Don't worry, they are still in wherever you normally get your podcast from, but now they're in another place. I've yet to invest in a podcasting studio, <laughs> so you just get the audio with no visuals. But they are all there, so please do take the opportunity to go back and listen to any episodes you have missed or particularly liked. Since uploading them, episode 36 is proving very popular with 112 views already. If I want to reminisce, I often re-listen to the first ever episode of Mithras Matters or the apology one that I had to give when I missed a month, but I haven't missed one since. 
Anyway, they are all there. Just search for In Wills on YouTube and feel free to hit that subscribe button if you want. Before I share my greatest fear when GMing Mithras, I wanted to delve into magic in what I am calling the focus magic section. We have had four episodes on animism that have been so inspirational that we have our first ever animist in our Mithras campaign. But I feel that we have not had mu that much focus on any other of the magic traditions. So I thought I would rectify this in this episode and possibly future episodes. As you might be aware, I love the magic user class in any RPG or MMO. But I understand that my passion might not be shared by everyone. Yes, I'm delaying mentioning which tr magic tradition I will be focusing on in this episode so that you don't all turn the podcast off because I've heard that this magic tradition is not very popular with some people. However, I'm still going to have a go at talking about it for a while and see maybe if I can convert anyone to my favourite magical tradition in Mithras. Sorcery. Wow, so many clicks there as the podcast was turned off. I'm definitely going to go back and have a look at my analytics to see what happened once I mentioned sorcery. But if you're still with me, let's delve into this powerful and creative magic tradition. So what I want to focus on is to start off with is about what you need to consider when you're including sorcery into your campaign. So sorcery is powerful. I know many won't agree, but I think it is probably the most powerful magic in Mithras, maybe taught by those annoying theists. Because of the powerful nature of sorcery, you need to consider carefully how you will be including it into your campaign. You need to have a system that places restrictions on the sorcerer so that they access, their access to spells is limited. For me, I came from the starting point of how could this magic be controlled in the campaign? Anyone who had access to sorcery spells would not want everybody to have them. And due to their power, renegade sorcerers would be a force to be reckoned with and so should in some way be kept under wraps. I also wanted to provide some political intrigue and power plays in the campaigns. So I created what I call the Order of Sorcerers. This is just one way of introducing sorcery in your campaign, but I found that it works well and hopefully it might give you some inspiration to create your own system. So the I created four orders that all had an associated colour. The Order of the Red, um, which was the Order of the Phoenix, no connection to Harry Potter. The Blue Order, Order of the Kraken the Black Order, the Order of the Lich, and the White Order, the Order of the Dragon. Yes, I took a lot of inspiration from Dragonlance. 
These orders not only govern all the sorcery magic in the campaign, but they also form the Council of Sorcerers. This ruling council provides the political intrigue I mentioned before, both within the ranks of sorcerers themselves, but also how each order supports the ruling bodies of the world. There are a lot of spells in sorcery, many of which can cause serious damage and destruction. But because of this, I didn't want all sorcerers to have access to all spells. I also wanted each of the orders to be reliant on one of the other orders if they required something. So the orders allowed me to divide the spells up. The blue Kraken order, I gave communication, transportation and teleportation. The Red Phoenix Order, broadly battle magic. The White Dragons got heal and protection. And finally, the Black Lich Order got deceit, damage and undead. So hopefully you can see that the orders are reliant on the Blue Kraken Order to form the um, teleportation um, portals around the world. Well, if the Red Phoenix Order is going into battle, they become reliant on the White Dragons to provide healing and protection. I have to say at this point that the Order of the Lich, the Black Order, they were not nasty, evil necromancers. They were just necromancers, full stop. And they worked together with everyone else. So linked to this is the levels within the orders or cults or brotherhoods that allow a second restriction of the spells. This allows the most powerful spells to be reserved for the sorcerers high in the order. Maybe the characters will never reach this level, but it prevents them all casting powerful spells in their first adventure. The orders also allow for a great deal of role-playing opportunity. Maybe you remember the adventure when Cyrus, who's from the Red Order, mocked a young mage from the Blue Order, only to find that she swapped her orders, came into the Red Order and then rose up the ranks rather quickly and became a senior mage or sorceress than to Cyrus. But you don't need to have a system like the Orders to introduce sorcery into your campaign. If you prefer a class-based system, it is possible to create classes with sorcery. Before I went with the sorcery system, I actually developed this class-based system and spent a, a lot of hours looking at the range of spells and how they could be shared to various different types of sorcerers. I soon realized that you could have a huge range of class-based sorcerers. For example, the artificers could be those who specialize in sculpting and animation. You could have necromancers. You could have druids who change their shape and summon animals. Warlocks with banishment and enslaving demons. And even dreamwalkers who protect project themselves to the dream world and work on extending their perceptions. 
You could even have sorcerers who were healers. So if you are not keen on the theist and all that divine clerical magic, you could actually have your whole magical system just based on sorcerers. Many of the approaches that I've mentioned can also be very suitable for campaigns when you don't want them to be magically rich. The Dreamwalker scenario or class that I mentioned before would be an excellent choice for lower magic campaigns when the Dreamwalkers are just per perceiving things rather than blasting things. Before we leave sorcery altogether, it is important to talk about folk magic. So folk magic is the most basic tradition in Mithras, and it is important that this has a place in the campaign. I see it as the most basic tradition with some people not even realizing that they are casting folk magic spells. In relation to sorcery, I see folk magic are like cantrips, easy to ca cast and less powerful than the real magic of the world. In the order system, this does allow the true sorcerers to see potential in young casters and to invite, persuade or even force them to join one of the four orders. One of the reasons I like sorcery so much is because of the range of possibilities it provides. Introducing it into campaign does not mean you are letting spell users have ultimate power. It means that you are allowing them to see that they can have ultimate power. And that can be a very strong motivational factor for any character. And is possibly why I love sorcery so much. If you want to learn more about sorcery, then do check out my YouTube channel where you will find videos on the basics of sorcery as well as shaping. And before we leave sorcery, does anyone have any new spells? I think there is a great opportunity for someone to create a supplement based purely on sorcery. More spells, more restrictions, even more ideas of how to introduce them to your campaigns. Creators out there, please get creating. Okay, before we finish this episode, I wanted to talk briefly about something that I fear every time I GM Mithras. I'm interested whether I am alone with this, I usually am, or whether it is something that most GMs are concerned about. I have this fear of creating an encounter that actually kills the party, either one or all of them. Now, I'm not afraid or even worried about a character dying. If you want to throw yourself off the battlements, I am more than happy to roll the damage and make your character a smudge on the pavement below. What I'm concerned about is creating a character that is not correctly balanced. We are getting to the stage in our Mithras campaign that I want to start introducing some of the heavy hitting monsters, but I'm not sure how prepared the characters are. I often look at the hit points in their hit point locations and think, 
if I roll this damage, then they are going to lose a leg, arm, or even worse, a head. You must also remember that I make all my rolls public so the players and the stream can see them at all times. So I don't have that option to fudge them if needed. The party, if prepared, can withstand a lot of damage, especially if they have managed to get protection and resist damage spells up. But what about situations when they are not completely prepared? Should I avoid situations like this or just go for it and have trust in my players? They are great players and I know they'll be fine with whatever happens, but I do worry. In the recent classic fantasy adventure, I did some damage that I thought was going to completely destroy the cleric's leg, but Armored saved her. So am I overthinking this and my concerns are completely unfounded anyway experienced gms out there i would love to hear from you so we can set up a round table of discussion about dealing or preparing for those highly skilled and heavy hitting monsters i'm probably alone with this aren't i And that's it, another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do check out the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord where there are great people sharing their ideas within discussions. So until next time, have a great month of gaming everyone and I will chat to you all again in April. Until then, I hope all your opposed worlds succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.